Welcome to the Alcohol Freedom Podcast, where we are bringing you a modern and judgment-free conversation about how we relate to our drinking habits. I'm Michelle Kapler, and you've got episode 33. Hi, friend. Thanks for being here. It is almost spring here. I mean, technically and chronologically, it's been spring for a few weeks now, but I live in Canada, so it still snows sometimes and will continue to do so until well into May. In fact, last year, we got snow in June, which killed all of our tomato plants, which was so sad. But we figured it out. We got some seedlings from friends. It was wonderful. But anyway, I get like this every year around this time. And I have thoughts like, I'm done. I'm moving somewhere without winter. I'm too old for this. My nervous system can't handle driving through freezing rain again. And then one day, I'll be walking into the house from the car and my senses will perk up for one reason or another. It might be a few pokey buds of young green coming out of the dead beige lawn. It's just like this little sprig of life, those first few crocuses showing their faces. Or I'll just hear a lot of honking in the evening in our front marsh, which is where the Canada geese come every spring to have their babies. So I can tell that they've arrived and they're preparing and getting down to business and that we're going to have goslings soon. And that will remind me that frog season is just on the horizon. In early to mid-April, it's frog mating season in our area. They start super early, even though it's still really cold out. And it's this time when around dusk and all through the night, there is this frog symphony that happens. And there are a few different species that we get in our marsh, and they all have different mating calls. Some sounds like these deep bass tones. And some sound like sleigh bells. It's like a choir. And it's just this wall of sound that slaps you in the face as soon as you walk out the door. Like you can almost breathe in the sound because it's so thick, which is so different than when I walk outside in early January. It's like this wall of beautiful silence that you walk into in January. But, you know, as things turn, as things evolve, I'm always kind of done with the last thing and then ready for the next thing. And this whole cycle repeats every single year. And when spring happens, it seems like almost overnight, there's just this gorgeous coming alive that happens. And it's such a contrast to the cold silence of so many feet of snow. There were times this winter when I was up past my knees in snow heading out to the woodpile. And there's beauty in the winter season too. Silence can be rejuvenating and deeply nourishing, but I love that things seem to come alive all at once every year when I'm getting to that moment where I feel like I just can't take it anymore with winter. So that's where I'm at today. And I'm eagerly anticipating things coming alive and frog symphonies and geese and ducks. I saw a bunch of ducks heading into our front marsh as well. So probably going to have duck babies. So that's where I am. So speaking of winter, I want to talk about rest today. So winter in general is a time of inward reflection and hibernation. And it's when nature encourages us to get cozy and kind of refuel, especially for those of us who are Canadians. 
But if you're like me and you're a woman on a mission to make things happen in life, it can be a little bit anxiety-inducing to simply do less and rest more. The truth is that we all intellectually know that we're doing too much. And it's not a mystery that we're overscheduled and we have way too much on our plates. And for my dear perfectionist friends, and yes, I am one of you, there's also this deep desire to do it all perfectly and not make mistakes and just to get it all right on the first try. And so, yes, we are told by our healthcare providers and our people that care about us and the folks that we follow on social, we're told by all of them that we're stressed out especially after the last two years of unpredictability. We're all just a little bit deficient in resilience after COVID, and it's still ongoing for a lot of people. And so we're told by all these people that we're stressed out, and we intellectually know this ourselves, that we need to slow down and take a load off and rest. And I would say that we even kind of intuitively know that we need to give our nervous systems a break. And I think that's why so many of us high achieving women are attracted to that 5 p.m. glass of wine, or, you know, in my case, as it used to be, that 5 p.m. bottle of wine. And it's that moment in the day that we can count on when we take those first few sips and we feel that relief in our body. And for a little bit of time, It can even feel like we're resting because we're opening that release hatch of tension through this massive hit of dopamine that we get when we take that first few sips or even opening the bottle. Except as we know, drinking is not resting. Drinking is actually escaping. And if you want to hear more about this concept in detail, I do highly recommend checking out my most recent video class called How to Relax Without Your Nightly Glass of Wine. It's free and I'll link it up in the show notes and you can grab that whenever you want. So if we know that drinking at the end of a hard day or a hard week isn't actually resting, it's just a tool that we use to escape the uncomfortable emotions that we feel, stress, anxiety, boredom, overwhelm. If we know it isn't resting, then what does it mean to actually rest? What does it mean to rest in a way that's actually going to result in long-term peace, contentment, rejuvenation, and actually build resilience in our bodies and our nervous systems and in our minds? Resting like that actually means doing nothing. So resting is not watching Netflix or scrolling social or eating a snack. Resting is not reading or catching up on work in a semi-horizontal position. Resting is not doing things for others. I'm super guilty of this. I often tell myself that my meditation is cooking for my family. I love the slow chopping and the methodicalness. I don't know if that's a word, but I love the methodicalness of chopping and prepping and creating something out of ingredients. And although I find it relaxing and highly enjoyable, it's still not rest. And even sleeping, although it is restful and necessary, it's not rest in the same way. Sleeping is essential, but even sleep in and of itself can be a form of escaping. Resting is literally doing nothing. My rest in the winter is sitting by the fire and looking at it just staring at my wood stove. I'm not reading. I'm not having a snack. I'm not having a conversation with my husband. I'm just sitting there and being. Those times when we just sit and be, that's what we are missing in our overly productive and overly scheduled lives. 
So tell me, when I talk about it, what comes up for you? If you're anything like me, when I first started thinking about this, it was probably something along the lines of, oh yeah, it'd be great to sit down and do nothing. And about two seconds later, my brain would be like, actually, that sounds pretty horrible. Because when you sit down, you might feel your body and brain let go of tension for a moment, but then what happens? If you're like me, you start to get a little twitchy and then the thoughts come. You have too much to do to just sit around. You need to do this work task. You need to plan that home thing and the laundry isn't going to fold itself, of course. Maybe you can just get out your phone and order that thing on Amazon that you were having in the back of your mind that you needed to buy. Or maybe I can send an email to myself to talk about this really good podcast topic that came into my mind just now. And then it goes into what's wrong with you? You're supposed to just be sitting here, but you're lazy if you just sit here. Your to-do list is a million miles long. And then your body starts buzzing with anxiety and anticipatory stress. And when you're not used to it, resting actually feels awful. When we think about rest conceptually, we probably imagine sitting on a beach somewhere, drinking a glass of sparkling water, laying on one of those luxurious beach chairs with a fluffy towel while someone else watches your kids and your out-of-office email reply is turned on. No one needs anything from you. You feel at peace. You feel comfortable in your body. You can just stare at the ocean and take deep breaths. You can just be. But if we were to actually put ourselves in that scenario in real life, it looks and feels pretty different. Sitting on a beach chair in that way actually feels pretty torturous for a lot of us. It may feel good for all of five seconds, but then our heart rate picks up and our mind is full of all of the things that we could and therefore should be doing. Because what we are used to doing is self-medicating unprocessed anxiety and fear with doing things. Actually sitting still and taking rest, true rest, means that all of our negative emotions have a chance to come up. And we're so used to buffering over these feelings with, quote, being productive, that we don't know how to handle it when we try to rest. For me personally, When I'm in a particularly anxious time, and as we know in life, anxious times, stressful times, they come and go. They're inevitable. They're just part of life. And when that comes up for me, I find that I do a lot of self-soothing with puttering around my house, tidying up, cleaning things, folding laundry, organizing things that aren't all that disorganized, wiping the counter a bunch of times. And maybe my husband will be nice enough to take the kids out to the forest for a bit And instead of sitting down and resting and experiencing my silent house, I begin this puttering thing where I just pick away at my inevitably endless household to-do list. Or maybe I'll log in and check my work email, even though it's Sunday and nobody expects a reply. Or maybe I'll just start baking something. I'm a bit of a stress baker sometimes. Because actually sitting down on the couch and watching the fire feels pretty itchy and twitchy and anxious. Because anytime I sit down to just rest, and that's assuming I don't pick up my phone and start scrolling or put on a podcast or something to occupy the noise in my mind, when I actually sit down to rest, my brain is actively detoxing. 
My brain is actually in withdrawal from, quote, doing things. Rest is really uncomfortable if you have not built the skill of doing it, just as you have to build the skill of not reaching for a glass of wine when you feel anxious or irritated, just as you have to build the skill of not turning to food when you're feeling bored or scared. Does it sound familiar at all? If so, you're not alone. So many people, especially those of us who are socialized as women, have the same reaction to rest. And why is this? There is obviously our individual brain patterns that we've developed by being a human in our own individual life and set of circumstances, but it's also important to consider that we exist in a culture that's built on productivity being rooted in moral value. Rest has to be earned through hard work, is what we're taught. Humans are inherently lazy, and a rest must be hard-earned. And when I say it like that, it's pretty obviously false especially in our modern context. And when we combine it with our typical socialization as women, we are taught both explicitly and implicitly that we must always be continually improving ourselves. And this is combined with this arrival fallacy that one day, if we just accomplish enough, if we just do enough, if we just get enough gold stars, enough promotions, enough educational rewards, enough followers, make enough money, get the perfect family, if we just do all that, then we will all of a sudden cross a magical line and that we'll somehow feel entitled to rest and relax. But the problem is that we exist in a world where infinite growth is expected. There is never enough. And this is why it feels absolutely terrible when we try to build intentional rest into our lives. We intellectually know that we need it, but we've also been conditioned to always be doing, always be producing, always be evolving and enhancing and growing. And there's merit to all those things if they're chosen deliberately and intentionally, but we also have to rest. Even when there's always something that we could be doing. The key to creating restfulness that is actually pleasant, that's actually rejuvenative, and in a bare minimum doesn't feel like torture, is to accept that initially, it won't feel good. Not at first. It's going to be like changing any other pattern of addictive behavior. Just like I talk about when I talk about allowing urges in our bodies when we are working through our patterns with alcohol, we know it's going to suck when we don't pour that 5 p.m. glass of wine because we've created a habit and now we're doing something different. So we allow it to suck. It's really the same with creating a new habit with rest. We go into the experience knowing that even if it feels awful to intentionally take rest, it doesn't mean that we're doing it wrong. We also know that unless we allow it to suck, we just won't get to a place where it's comfortable. There is no magical point that we're going to someday get to where we're going to get an email from the universe that says, congratulations, you've officially done everything on your endless to-do list, and you've now been granted permission to take downtime. That's just not going to happen. The truth is that we have to just decide that we've done enough, whatever that means, and that we're going to rest. And we will feel bad when we take that rest. And each time we do that, the new neural pathway we are paving becomes more and more deeply formed in our brain. And each time we do it, we'll feel a little less bad, and then a little less bad, and at some point, we'll start to feel more good than bad. 
And that's how habit change works. We just keep showing up. And I want to say for all of my perfectionist listeners who are so near and dear to my heart because I am a recovering perfectionist myself, this is not all or nothing. So don't tell yourself that your rest doesn't count because you're not on a beach for a week with no distractions. If all you can do for now is sit on your couch for 10 minutes and do nothing, that counts. Your nervous system will benefit from resting in that way. You can begin to change the way your brain works with very small actions. You don't even have to give up doing all the other stuff you'd like to do to relax, like scrolling on your phone or putting on the TV. In this case, it's more about adding something rather than telling yourself you can't have or do something. Don't keep yourself from doing this because you're telling yourself that you have to, quote, get it right. There is no right. Just start with a little amount of time that you can fit into your day. Maybe 10 minutes is all you have and just rest. Just sit and stare at the wall. Allow your mind to wander and see what comes up. Just be curious. We're not going to eat or read or listen to a podcast or have a snack or answer emails on our phone. We're just going to rest. And if you feel like you want to throw up a little bit in your mouth when you think about this, then you are absolutely on the right track. That's it for me today. I'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, you've got this, my friend.